where I, Dara Kalima, the community poet, chat with folks who speak on behalf of their respective communities. This person I met, ooh, definitely in the before times, meaning before the pandemic. <laughs> they, they, we shared the same stage at a venue that I no longer frequent, but that doesn't matter anymore. Um, but they did this poem that just brought a different perspective to the stage that you weren't just hearing um, before. And I was just like, yo, okay, I need to know this person. This person's dope. And it wasn't just the poem. It was the people around this person that like the amount of love that was around this person that I was like, yo, this person's a good person. So it's not just the poem that's dope. It was the amount of love that was showering around this person. I was like, okay, this person's cool. I want to know this person. This poet was just so amazing. And they're, they're just amazing. And, the, and then, you know, the pandemic happens. And I, I mean, I've, I've, in, I've been on stages with this person multiple times over. So like, I'm going to say that. So I've gotten to like interact with them multiple times and really got to appreciate their craft because their craft is stellar. But I am so happy that the pandemic has happened because they sort of changed what they were doing or they maybe have elevated what they were doing on Instagram. And I have just gotten to appreciate the person more than just as a poet. And so I've gotten to learn more about their culture. I've gotten to learn more about their religion. I've gotten just to appreciate their soul more. And so, I mean, again, I told you the first thing I noticed was one, their craft. And then two, the, the huge amount of people around them that was just like, oh my gosh, I love this guy. So that all said, I am just really excited that they didn't even hesitate when I said, hey, can you do my podcast? So I'm super, 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 super hyped to have this guest on my podcast. Um, hey, guest, tell folks your name. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me. My name is Navpreet Singh. I am known as Nav the Poet on stage and social media. Yay. And uh, appreciate you having me here. Yay. Um, so, Nav, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are he, him, his. Awesome. And tell folks about yourself. Yeah, so I am a poet. I'm a video editor. I'm a content creator. I've been writing and performing for 11 years now, I think. Uh, I'm not good at math. That's why I switched majors from engineering to film. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been writing and performing. And then, as you kind of alluded to, I, in the last few years, have really put an emphasis, I've been doing it, but definitely through the time of the pandemic, I've been putting an emphasis on educating about my faith, which is Sikhi, more commonly known as Sikhism. Um, but everything I do, whether, whether it's art or videos or whatever it is I'm doing, it's all with the purpose of breaking barriers and building bridges so that together we can create a better world. See, see, this is, I said, I appreciated getting to know their soul. Like who's, who in their description about themselves says that statement? Just, I just want, I just want to put that out there. Who put, who says that in their statement as they describe themselves? All right. So what communities do you represent? I, as I mentioned, I am a follower of the Sikh faith. So I represent the Sikh community. I represent the Punjabi community. Punjab is a state within India. Um, I am a movie and television fanatic. Um, 
I guess content creator as well. I could represent that community. Um, those are the big ones. Video editing community. I don't know if that's a community, but I, I, I'll do it. I'll take it. Um, those are, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm a nerd all around. So superheroes, comics, all that Love stuff it. as well. Do you have any siblings? I do. Right, where do you sit in the sibling ratio? Big, baby, middle, uh, oldest? So I'm one of three. I'm right in the middle. Oh, you're the middle child. Yeah. That's a whole community in itself because <laughs> yeah. y'all are y'all are special. I'm the baby, but y'all middle children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're something. Yeah. I mean, because y'all always feel like the ignored ones. Y'all always, I mean, but you, I don't see how you could be ignored, but you know, my brother's the middle child and he, he makes it known that he has feelings about being the middle child. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, you know, maybe when I was younger, but my brothers and I were three brothers, by the way, but okay, we just, our relationships have, with ourselves, our family, it's evolved to the point where we're all like, it doesn't impact us as, at least not to my knowledge it, maybe it still impacts my other brothers but I don't think it does I think we're all we've understood our place places and, yeah <laughs> is there a big gap between y'all or is it are you guys close in age so my older brother and I are three years apart and then yeah. my younger brother and I are six years apart so that makes older to younger nine years apart so somewhat um which is why I always say this my little brother he's super mature and super disciplined mm. and I think it's just because he grew up with older people like not only my brother and my myself but also our friends so he was always around older people and like he's super disciplined he's super brilliant I, I don't I can brag about my little brother for days by the way I, but um <laughs> yeah it's just uh I think it's that age gap yeah okay I love it I love it I I'm I'm, I'm smiling because I'm the baby I don't know that my brother brags about me at all but he definitely is he's eight years older than me oh. so there's that there's that similar age gap sort of thing happening so yeah um so anyway uh so then which community are we specifically talking about today i would love to speak about the sick community and about sick key as a whole um yeah it's my faith is a, a huge passion of mine so i'm always happy to discuss it with people Awesome. So have you always been uh, dedicated to your faith or? No. <laughs> um, I was born and raised in a Sikh family. I went to Gurdwara, a Sikh house of worship, every Friday evening with my parents. Those were when the services typically took place. I went, I learned, you know, our history and different things about the faith, the beliefs, practices, but I... I would I would call myself a sick when I was younger, but I wasn't dedicated to it. But then I got to a certain point in my life where I actually completely fell out of the faith and I stopped following it. Um, and a lot of it was my own struggles, but it was also the confronting the fact that a lot of the people that I was around, my community, were not practicing the faith as I was taught. Like the things like ego and judgment and hatred. I was like, these are in the antithesis of our teachings. And yet these people around me that claim to be, you know, devout and practicing six weren't uh, exuding that, those, those uh, beliefs. And that definitely turned me away from the faith because I was like, how could I be part of a community 
that isn't really like adhering to the beliefs from my understanding. Um, so it took me a while actually through poetry that I really started to rediscover my faith and my understanding and connection. And it reminded me basically that like, regardless of the people and while the people do make up a good part of the faith, the principles don't change no matter what the people are doing. And so I always hold on to that at the end of the day, am I practicing those principles and how can I help myself and others be more in line with Sikh teachings? I, I want everyone who practices a faith to really sit there with that <laughs> question. I, 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 I was raised Christian and I did not, I mean, I, I, I went to a religious school. I have family members who are religious leaders mm-hmm. and I walked away, not walked, walked away, but I was not at all active for a long time and then got there and with everything that's happening now and and finding myself essentially in an evangelical church mm. and evangelical things happening and like you hear evangelical in such a worst way yeah evangelical is really just about spreading the word it is right. not about what you're seeing and and i'm not co-signing some of the stuff that's happening right now but it is back to that same exact question you know like or am I doing what I believe my faith is taught um versus being caught up in what a lot of other people are doing that they think the faith is taught (laughs) and what's so interesting for me to explore that with is that there are people who disagree on certain things about the faith with me and I know to them they believe they are adhering to the faith as it is supposed to be, just as I feel like I'm adhering to it. So then it's a matter of he said, she said, he said, they like, there's maybe there's some elements you can say are like definitively 100%. This is the way, but a lot of things are, you know, I'm sure you understand it too, up to interpretation. And then it's like, so then what do we do? Like, there's, we kind of reach an impasse because it's like, they're saying this thing and they think they're right. I'm saying this thing. I think I'm right. And me and is me saying they're wrong, not following the faith. Like it's a very complicated thing. Cause then I'm like, am I just adhering to my ego when I'm telling someone that they're wrong mm. about something versus like, Oh, I'm supposedly following the beliefs, you know? Um, so it's, it's always something for me. That's really a challenge to explore when I engage with someone who has a different view or interpretation or understanding of my faith because I don't want to then for me like the biggest thing is the self and like how I practice it and so if I'm now presenting ego or judgment I'm going against the teachings so now I'm like okay wait how do I how do I how do I navigate this it's a a complicated thing wow so can you tell someone can you give someone like me who knows very little about the faith uh, like faith 101 (laughs) yeah um so sikhi or sikhism as it's commonly referred to as i mentioned uh started in the 1500s in india or in the south asian punjab region um by this man named guru nanak devji and the tradition the story goes that he had he was always a wise and kind of uh reflective spiritual individual but around the age of 30 he went for a a bath in the river and he returned three days later no one knows where he went or what happened but he returns three days later and he just has this newfound enlightenment and understanding of the divine which in Sikhi the tradition 
goes that it's um so the first line in scripture is this phrase called ik onkar and it's usually translated to one god but really it's about this idea of oneness and like when i say oneness it's not like oh peace and harmony kind of thing it's it's this belief that literally everything is the divine like this idea of you and i and, and these separations these different these divisions is a illusion in our in our belief and that everything this desktop this you know house all of it is the divine the create the creator resides within the creation and it's all this oneness i like to compare it to like the force in star wars i don't know how familiar you are with star wars but of course it's a you know and some people don't like that in a comparison but it's just to help people kind of understand what is you know how it is um and so so yeah he he began traveling sharing this wisdom sharing these philosophies literally having discussions with people of different faiths backgrounds beliefs and everything um and then also just challenging the status quo at the time things like the caste system or gender discriminatory practices um and he wanted to really have people practice this idea of oneness um which would entail equality and liberty and the freedom of people to live their lives you know uh, healthily and and to the fullest um so it was it was as much a social movement as it was a philosophical um you know understanding because he was literally like in our in our practice we aren't supposed to adhere to the caste system we believe in a gender equality all you know all in all people are equal um and so many things like that there, and there's so many one of my favorite things about the faith is that there's so many like practical aspects that highlight these so for instance the uh Sidi Darbar Sahib which is known as the golden temple in India right it has a door on each side of it as a representation that people from all over anyone of any mm -hmm. background may enter may come to the to the 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 sacred place of worship and and join in on the service on the prayers um you know uh cuz not every place not every you know faith or whatever community does that some people have closed practices and that's fine but it was just this idea that there is no sense of um difference in level right another thing that's huge is uh so we have this tradition called langar which is this community kitchen which is one free um and two it's open to anyone uh and these are practices in our houses of worship uh but what's huge is we all sit on the floor together in rows and the purpose of that was a a statement of everybody being on an equal playing field so regardless of especially at that time your caste or your class or whatever it is everybody is literally on the same level and so it's just there's a lot of examples of these where it just shows that practical practice of these beliefs because it's easy to say everyone's equal everyone you know should be you know allowed to do this but then when you have these actual practices um and like gurdwaras or sikh organizations have served longer to people all over the world in times of disaster um whether it was like a natural disaster like hurricanes or whether it was during the pandemic there are a lot of you know of these uh, places that were making food and then delivering it or giving it to wherever um and so again just one just a couple of examples of something that i really love about my faith is just that element of saying a belief and then you know living by it mm. wow wow that's beautiful if only we could all 
only we could all uh this world would be so much better mm-hmm. um <laughs> i mean it's a it's with my own community too like we're not all perfect so i say to, about my community all the time like could we all just be better at this like yeah i mean we're all we're also all human and of course humans are human I will do bad job of discussing this because I did, I did not open up the article. I do remember seeing it, but there was something in the news recently about a gentleman who was arrested for having a knife because he wouldn't take it off. And ultimately it was a, and I don't remember where this was. Um, do you remember where it was? Yeah, it was at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Thank you. Um, and so, you know, North Carolina has been showing up in the news a lot lately mostly for really terrible things so sorry that was a total side note it's fine. <laughs> but i feel bad because my dad lives in north, in north carolina that's where my people's are from so i'm just like mm, north carolina i need you to do better here so either way um so yeah he had he had this knife but it wasn't like a it's not like a knife that you're using for reasons like a person would just run around with a knife the whole point being that they didn't understand that it was a religious artifact. And so it's like, it's, it would be like, and I don't use a crucifix with like a hanging Jesus on. I don't have anything that has a hanging Jesus because I don't do that, mm. but I do have crosses. Um, I don't even actually wear almost any religious paraphernalia these days, but I do have crosses sure. that will come out two or three times a year. Um, not even for religious days, but <laughs> so like, but it is a, a, an equal sort of symbol. So I know there are some symbols or things that are supposed to be worn, done. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. And I appreciate you even bringing up the story because um, one thing I try to do with my page and with my content is educate people about the Sikh faith so that these kinds of things don't happen as much. I know they'll never like stop happening, but if I can even encourage someone to take a bit, a moment to get some more understanding and and it has happened. People have messaged me and saying, like, because of your videos, like I've advocated for like my coworkers or my friends, you know, who are, you know, so it happens. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying, like, that's the point of what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, so there are a few articles uh, that six are instructed to carry to wear. Um, so to give a little history in 1699. Uh, well, see, now I just have to like backtrack a little. So there was, so I mentioned Guru Nanak Dev Ji, he was the founder of Sikhi, and um, a guru is like, for very, like, lack of a better word, like a, a teacher, a guide, a spiritual, or it can be a spiritual, you know, like, mentor or whatever, but in the Sikh tradition, there are 10 Sikh gurus, um, so when we use the word guru, we are specifically referring to one of these uh, 10, actually there's 11, the 11th is the the Shabbat Guru, meaning the, the scripture, um, we refer to it as the Guru as well. Um, but so the 10th Guru, Guru Gobind Singh Ji in 1699, on a particular um, a holiday, which was known as Vasaki, is known as Vasaki, which was traditionally a harvest festival. It became important to the Sikh community because of this, this event on 1699. So basically he called for five Sikhs willing to give their heads to their Guru. And at first there was hesitation and then one by one these five six came up and he would go into a tent with them and he'd come out with a bloodied sword now we don't know what happened or anything like that but the five six at the end came out in like these these new regalia they were looking sharp <laughs> looking really really you know nice um and he basically was kind of 
I guess the best way I can explain is like formalizing the community. Um, so he established what is called the Kalsa Panth, which loosely translates to order of the pure, but it's this, this community of six committed to the Guru's teachings and following the path that the Gurus have instructed us to follow. And so those who follow this path are instructed to have these five articles. One is Ges, which is uncut hair. The second is a Ganga, which is a small comb to, well, I'll get into that later. Um, third is Kashera, which are these like undershorts. Fourth is a Kara, which is a steel bracelet, which I wear right here. And then fifth is a Kirpan, which is a small knife, a sword. Um, it's been kind of like people carry different sizes. There's no like requirement in terms of size and all that stuff. Um, but a lot of meaning has been given to these um, articles, meaning like, oh, we were, we were given this one for this reason or this for this, but there's no actual explicit reasoning for why these five articles were chosen, um, which is actually something I've only learned in the last few years, because I was always taught that this was for this reason, like the the bracelet was for this and like so it's very interesting even again my own journey but like there's no explicit reasoning for these articles they just were you know what we these were given the hmm? <laughs> these are the things you have to have yeah yeah it was <laughs> the way i look at it is kind of like to establish an identity for six because at the time also um the tenth guru's father who was the ninth guru he was actually tortured and killed um defending the rights of hindus to practice their faith and so a lot of Sikhs were kind of, you know, concerned and like worried about the, the social and political landscape at the time. And so I feel like, and this is just my view of it, I want that to be clear, it was partially done to establish like an identity so that we can't hide and that we do stand out because our tradition encourages us to have no fear and no hate. Nirpao um, nirver. And these are in our scripture as well. And so I think that's just how I look at it. And everybody has their own kind of interpretation, their own significance to it. But so the Kirpan, which is the knife, is one of these articles. And six who have made that commitment are supposed to carry it at all times. Now, living in a Western society where, one, we're very unknown, but also these like practices and principles aren't as familiar, um, it can become a, what's the word? Um, there can be a confusion, misunderstanding, and it happens a lot, you know, six, even even going to airports. Like when I want to take my Kirpan, I have to put it in my checked baggage. I can't take it on the plane with me. Um, and so there's a lot of this misunderstanding. So that's exactly what happened is because he had it on him. Some, a student, I think, called mm -hmm. the police and reported it. And then the police basically were just like, hey, you can't have that. And this is ultimately what my issue is. There's never an effort made to like, come to an understanding in those instances. And I would get it when there's like immediate danger, but he was literally just sitting there. He cooperated with them with no problem. There was never a like, hey, what is this? Why like it's, and I'm not an officer, I'm not security. So maybe the proper response is what they did. I, I you know, but from my perspective of someone who is a religious minority and a, you know, racial minority as well, it's just, there's such a lack of understanding and knowledge and awareness of our faith and our principles. And so it comes across as very um, just like neglect, negligent of our identity. Mm. Yeah. I didn't mean, I didn't know about it. I don't think I've ever seen it. 
here in New yeah. York? Most people keep them under their clothing. So okay. that's the other thing. Like I made a video talking about it and a lot of people are like, well, it's a school campus and this and that. And what's funny is like when I talked to my mom about it and I showed her the video, both of us were like, he shouldn't have been wearing it out. Like he should have had under his shirt. Like it's not like I'm like, oh, this was totally like he, there's, I would never, in my mind, there were things he could have done because he should have been aware. Like when I go to an airport, I know that I can't bring it in my, my carry on. So like, I wouldn't ever keep it like in my pockets or on me at all. Like, there's just things you, you do, in my opinion, have to like make those concessions in a way or like be attentive of it at least. Like <laughs> it's a smaller example, but I once almost got in trouble because I was singing a song that had mentions of like targets and missiles and stuff. Um, yeah, and I had to like explain that it's a song, show them the song and everything. But ever since then, I was like, okay, I'm not going to like say the word bomb out in public anymore. Like, <laughs> even if I'm telling my friends like, oh, my video blew up. I'm not saying that because I am I know what this like the, the landscape is. I can't say that without potentially getting into, you know, harm in some way, whether it's to a small degree or it could be to a very severe degree, you know. So there are elements where, but I couldn't even have that conversation when I made my video because people were just like, well, he shouldn't have done this. And I was just like. So there's no discussion. We can't have any discussion about like how to better approach approach the situation. It's mm. just like it's that's the other part that really bothers me. It's a very, you know, one or the other situation, not like, okay, maybe we can see how we can accommodate while also ensuring that, you know, safety regulations are understood and ap applied. Yeah, yeah. For sure. You know, like I just as you were saying that I wrote on someone's um, Facebook about something and I said, shoot, anyone who did such and such. And I got it. I, I got in trouble with Facebook for saying, shoot anyone. Oh my God. <laughs> but I wasn't even yeah. saying. Okay, whatever. I wonder, did you put a comma? I wonder if that would have made a difference. It may have, but I, I really was like. No, I, was I know it's saying, absurd, but. I was like, okay. And so now I, now I watch what how I say that. I was like, I was just using a figure of speech instead of saying a curse. I was like, uh, shoot, anyone who did such and such. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, but it's, it's as, as, you know, minorities, we definitely have to be aware of how people are perceiving us. It's unfortunate, but it's, it's not going to change overnight. So what am I going to do? Like just live my life and then get in trouble every other day for, you know, <laughs> saying the word bomb. Like, I don't know. It's I'd rather not. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh goodness. This world, this world. So you can completely decide not to talk about this topic, but since you, since you said bomb, I, I do, I know you were around here for 9-11, right? You're old yeah. enough for that. I don't never know who I'm talking to anymore these days. In terms of yeah, you're right, that's fair. <laughs> um, so I, you know, when 9-11 happened, I immediately thought of all my friends from high school who were Muslim hmm. because, you know, I was a, like, so for the first, for the, it wasn't 9-11, but it was the, um, it was the vehicle when the car, when they did the first bombing of the World Trade Center hmm. with the car. Okay. I knew all that, like, that was a thing. And then yeah. I knew my friends had been targeted in my whole high school. We went to like a mosque and did all that stuff because they always felt targeted. I, and I know that oftentimes the sick community gets wrapped right into all of that, not even being tied to the same community, 
but just proximity <laughs> because people cannot people are always like wait are you muslim are you not are you are you part of the same group are you not so like how does that all impact you, your your living in your world and how do you deal and navigate all of that yeah i think for me the most interesting thing i always say it's it's sad that i have to say this but i'm very fortunate in that i've only ever really faced like verbal harassment you know, like there have been people who've experienced much worse discrimination, violence, and you know, but um, but the most interesting thing for me to navigate is advocating for my community while also not pointing the finger at another community, right? Because and uh Kumail Nanjiani did a bit actually on SNL, I think, when he hosted it, and he was like, you know, sick people get targeted and it's gotta be really tough for them because they gotta be like. I'm not Muslim, not that you should attack them, but like, it was like this funny bit of like, but like, I'm not one of them. So if you're going to attack someone, don't do that because it's wrong. Like, it was just, was that like, and that was a conversation that our community even had, you know, after 9-11 of like, how do we address this? You know, because some people are like, well, we just say we're not Muslim. And it's like, okay, but then you're basically just saying they, they're the bad ones, right? And we're the good ones. And like, you should go, right? So in it's a very interesting thing for me to navigate where I am even talking about it. And like, people have asked me like, well, how do you respond? I was like, I mean, it depends on what they say. Like if someone said like, Oh, why don't you, you know, like, like, why don't you um, eat pork? I'd be like, Oh, I'm not Muslim. Right. But if then someone were to like call me a terrorist, I'm not going to respond like, Oh, I'm not Muslim. Right. Like that, that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so that's been like something I think about a lot. Um, not just because I have a lot of Muslim friends, but just because like, again, that's what our tradition teaches us as Sikhs is to, to um, there's this phrase, it's called Sarvadapala, which means the well-being of all. And so we're always striving for that as part of our tradition to serve everyone, to help everyone. And so that would be, again, going against that teaching. So, um, but I mean, it's definitely impacted us. And, you know, I, I'm sure you're at least vaguely familiar with the shooting that took place in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Um, they, this uh, a man of, you know, a white supremacist entered a Gurdwara and, you know, opened fire on the congregation, killing six people that day, injuring several more. Um, and this was in 2012, August 5th, okay. 2012. Um, but yeah, and so like things like that, and um, there are hate crimes happening all the time you know um so it's it's definitely a a challenge to navigate personally but then also as a community and like what are we to do because i love educating about my faith but educating only gets you so far as well um and so it's always a question of what do we do no like what more can we do what do we do next like and i and that's the thing is the responsibility of protecting marginalized communities falls on the marginalized communities as opposed to like the, you know, like the the system of education being like, hey, maybe we need to educate, like maybe you need to make Sikki a part of the, a mandatory part of the curriculum because it's not. It's slowly being put into different states, but every state has their own, you know, curriculum. So, but it's things like that. Like there's no you know, efforts being made other than by our own community of like, hey, we need it in the curriculum. We need it in the curriculum. And that's, again, state by state. And in some states, there aren't as many six. So they're not necessarily 
pushing for that same level as like here in New York or New Jersey or California, where there's a really big population of six. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just like, there's certain things we can do, but there's only so much we can do. Um, but then that's what we have to do, right? We have to do whatever we can and hope that it has some impact. So, yeah, okay, I'm gonna leave my next, I, like I had another question, but I'm just gonna leave that alone because I already know the answer. So it doesn't matter to ask the question. It was just I'm like, curious me being, the question is... it was just me being devil's advocate because everything keeps changing so quickly, right? right. Like everything is changing right now. We're discovering, or we're not discovering, but we're more openly discussing different gender exploration, different gender expressions, different mm -hmm. everything. And so you say that your 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 job is to support or protect, or I, I'm messing up language already, but you know everyone. So mm -hmm. that still continue as everything keeps changing. It's still yeah. everyone. It's always yeah. always everyone. Yeah, that. <laughs> that for me it is. I mean, like. And I don't even, know, I mean, I know it comes from Sikki, but also there's just like something in me and maybe it is, again, just comes from Sikki, but I don't, something I've been able to do is like learn how to not hate people. Um, like just, I don't carry hate. I get frustrated, I get annoyed. And sometimes someone does something, whether it's like small and personal or like more, you know, like on a very like large scale level. And I'm like, obviously I'm like, that sucks, but I don't know. It's just carrying hate. I've done it for so long that I just, I I got tired of it and I just mm. stopped doing it. I was like, this is such a waste of my energy to have hate because maybe for some people it works, but hate doesn't fuel me to want to make change. Hope mm. makes me want to make change. Mm. Wow. I'm going to have to learn from you. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I've been struggling. Not, I don't hate anyone. Right. But there's some people right now <laughs> that I don't really love. <laughs> That's, and it's completely fair. Like, I'm never saying my way is the way. It's just what works for me. And like, I know for other people, like I was having a conversation with my friend and, you know, they were like, fear helps them kind of start to do something. And then they follow the the faith, their faith in doing it or in, in, in accomplishing it. And I was like, hey, if that works for you. Like, I can't be run by fear either. Mm. fear cripples me like it makes me not want to do anything for some people fear makes them want to so I always have to fall back on faith on belief and hope and mm. it's the belief that things can and will be better mm. through our efforts that drives me and it's hard sometimes there's some days where I'm just like man this is pointless like there's there's no hope to anything and like I can get really down on myself some days but I always I always pull myself out because I've seen it firsthand in my own life like poetry saved my life I was in a really dark place and poetry helped me recognize so much in myself and in the world mm. um but it was only until I was able to recognize everything in within me that I was able to see outside and see like oh people can be good because I wanted to see people as as bad when I was in that mindset mm. but then once I started to see myself as potentially be capable of good then I was like oh other people can as well and people have shown that kindness to me in so many instances in my life I like really can't even recount them all because they happen all the time especially because I am out and about performing and traveling and interacting with people so much um one of my favorite interactions so my first set of college shows happened in 2016 
literally like three days after the election. And my first shows were in Louisiana, Texas, and Tennessee. And I had these preconceived notions of like, oh no, this is going to be terrible. Like, I don't know what's going <laughs> to happen. Like, um, so I, I was in Louisiana, I had a show, and then I, I ran into some people there and like, um, they were actually like these, there's a small population of six in that area, Lake Charles, Louisiana, where I went and um, McNeese State University, shout out to them because they were the first show to like, I don't know, I just feel like they, they took a chance on me and I really appreciate that opportunity. Um, and so anyway, met some of these students and, and then they you know took me out to dinner one day and in the booth next to us was this police officer and he randomly started talking to us. I don't know why, I guess that's just what people in the South do. Um, and, you know, the, the one of the people that I was with was like, oh, he's from New York. And I was like, why would you tell him this? This is the worst idea. <laughs> and so he goes, the police officer goes, oh, how are they taking Trump winning there? And I'm like, oh, gosh, we're really going to get into this. Huh? <laughs> but we had like an hour and a half long conversation. We agreed on things. We disagreed on things. We went back and forth. But like, it made me go like, okay, I need to stop being so like assuming things about people. And like, there's plenty I was like, I don't like what you're saying, but there was plenty where I didn't give him the benefit of the doubt before he spoke. And once he did, I was like, oh, okay. He, he has a similar idea of like, you know, who, what is causing what or what, you know, like, so it just gave me an opportunity to really reflect on how I view people. Um, and I think until we really do that, we can't really let, like, we can't really focus on how people view us. Mm. Um, at least that's how I have processed it. And so I've taken the time to like reflect on every interaction I have with people and I've done my best. I've gotten really good at not making assumptions of people. Um, and I just let them be as they are when they interact with me. And I think that has also helped in my interactions because people have told me they've, they felt that they sensed that that when I talk to them, they don't feel judged by me. They don't feel like, you know, they're I'm assuming the worst of them. They're just they are who they are, and it surprisingly makes people share more with me, um, just because I like sharing. And then they realize, oh, this person is willing to listen, and at least I think I am. And so, yeah, I think it's just a matter of we want to perceive the other person as whatever we've applied based on where they come from, how they grew up what communities they're a part of, right? It's really easy to look at someone of whatever religion and assume, like I get atheists that assume that I'm like the worst because just because I am religious, right? Just because I'm religious, you know? And then there are Christians, there are Muslims who assume that I adhere to a false religion. Like I get all this stuff from all different people just based on this. Um, and so one of my favorite things is when I walk on stage and I see people's faces, they are so confused because they're like, who is this guy? What is he going to do? And then in the <laughs> first 30 seconds of me performing, jaws dropped open or they're like vibing with what I'm doing. And like, I broke a barrier right there. I broke a barrier. And it's one of the most beautiful experiences that I ever have. That's because you're also, it's not even like, you're just an amazing poet. It's, 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 it's like, that's partially what it is so it's not mm. it doesn't even matter what you look like you it helps that that's part of what makes people change their assumption immediately once you start speaking but you're also just an amazing poet because that's just what you are like there's other people who I've seen on stage I'm just like and they lived up to expectation in all the bad <laughs> ways 
<laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so you you just are that stellar. So there's also that. And let's not take that away from. <laughs> yeah, but like that's the thing is I I, I revel in it, right? Because I know I know my talent. I'm well aware of my skill. And so I know that when I start that they're going to like change. But I know that one, a lot of people are weary about poetry. I'm sure you know. That's true. And yeah. so it's like, so it's like, okay, there's this poet. He's South Asian. He's got a turban and a beard. South Asians are known as like nerdy and weird and awkward. And then I come with this flow and they're just like, oh, shoot. I didn't know he could spit. And I just love that moment of just really shattering all expectations because yeah. I know what I am. And now people have a better idea of who I am. And it makes yeah. them hopefully go like, huh, maybe people like that or people in general are more than what I perceive to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, you, you, and you, and you, at least the things that I've seen, you're always calling out the, the, the assumptions of what people have in your work. So it's just like, yes, yes. it's yes. the best. I love, yes. I love twisting things. Like it's not just wordplay as a poet, but like concepts. I love messing with concepts. Like there's this one poem, I'm not going to perform the whole thing, but in the, a couple of the lines, um, I, I just go, uh, oh, what is it? Um, so when I share my rage, you should go call TSA. There's no need to randomly search for me. I'm right up on this stage and my words turn into bullets when they're lifted off the page. Turn the mic held in my hand into a shiny new AK. I just, it's. <laughs> nice. I confront it. I confront the stereotypes. And I'm like, but no, this is what I do. You think you think that's what I do. This is what I do. This is how I bring terror. And the terror that I bring is this Truth. disrupting the status quo and all these perceptions and preconceived notions. Uh, uh, no. Oh my gosh. Uh. <laughs> you don't know how much I miss being in space with you. Like you don't. Oh my gosh. Uh, like... That means a lot because I've I've definitely missed being around like other creatives. Like I've found a community through social media, through TikTok, especially, but a lot of these people are learning, create, like learning to be creative. And it's no dig at them. I love them so much, but it's just like, I'm at a, a different level in my creative journey. And so when I encounter other poets, like uh, I, I, I ran into, or not ran into, but I met up with Leah a little while ago and just like literally just being with her. I'm just like, mm -hmm. this is amazing because like she gets it. And like, there's no, Mm -hmm. it's an unspoken language of mm -hmm. just being a, an an expert creative I guess is the better I don't want to you know dig at some of my friends but like it's a different level it's a different you know mm -hmm. and it's just yeah there's a different feeling a different vibe when you're around those people and then uh, Justin was also there it was just mm -hmm. like oh my goodness like I miss this energy so much <laughs> yes uh yes yes and yes and yes <laughs> And one more yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's even what happened to me. I was telling you last night, I reconnected with my creativity. And like, I was up till 4 a.m. Because I had like started, I finished a poem that I had in my notes for like four years. Because I, because I wanted to, like most of my poems, I'm very like, go with the flow of whatever comes to me, comes to me. This one I wanted to craft in a particular way mm. because it was it was a really important message. It's just about media and it's about, you know, like just like the superficiality of it all. And so like I broke it into three parts and basically the first part addresses um, like 
just television and how television is and like all media has become like this selling you know this this ad basically there's perpetual ads is what television social media are anyway and then within it i love it is i i after that first stanza i insert an ad break (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's all a commentary on that but the ad break is like commentating on like how we've we've uh commercialized and monetized change and like revolutions and it's like oh you want to get hats tees and mugs and put hashtags of like you know we will be free and stuff like that and then the second portion is on like more like the image that we try to portray on social media and then the second ad is about like news but it's like the superficiality of news and like Mm -hmm. I build it up as like oh my god this big thing happened and then it's like two people got divorced like celebrities that got divorced (laughs) so it's like you know and then the news and how it's all biased report, like just all of it. And so it was something I really wanted to craft very particularly. So I spent a lot of time like sitting on it. And then, uh, you know, with the pandemic, I told you my creativity kind of like got out of flux. And so, but like, I finished that poem last night and then it just like the floodgates opened. And then I was just like performing in my, in my living room for like two hours. And I was like, it's 4am. I should go to sleep, but I really missed this. Like, it was like, reconnecting with an old friend where I was like oh my god I miss being this creative and like now I'm itching to be on stage so much mm. like I I had a fear of being on stage because of the pandemic I was just like can I do it um like have you seen Space Jam I'm sure I'm sure you've yes seen. you know the part where like they lose their powers the ball takes their powers and everything mm-hmm. I felt like that I felt like that. <laughs> I felt like I couldn't you know dribble the ball anyway I was like I don't know if I can go on stage and perform again like and then yesterday it was, it was when they like they got it back. I was like, oh, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I I I can relate. It's funny because someone texted me today and just checking in, and they asked me how writing was going, and I was like, I'm I'm not. And yeah. I've been writing like so, but for me, I don't know if you've been paying attention to any of my social media because I'm not really doing anything on social media mm-hmm. right now other than announcing the podcast when it comes out. But like, I was writing like a crazy person until July. Oh, wow. July, everything came to screeching halt. So I was writing 20, 30 poems a month. Wow. All pandemic, all pandemic. I have written over a thousand poems since the pandemic started. I have written my, my total poetry count is over uh, 2019 poems because I had one point messed up naming all my poems so I counted everything and did all like did all that stuff like I'm literally opening my shelter in place count because but like July I wrote three poems wow and then I rebounded in August and September and like I I lead this group poetics you and so I'm writing a little bit because we're doing a class Mm -hmm. but it's not the writing that I would do right and I I am in a a season of depression right now Mm -hmm. medicated everything like this is a very and I've never been medicated before so I'm in a different place for me um and so I'm just like I'm like the things that I'm writing is because I have to Mm. it's not because I'm not just like I have a poem in my head like 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 I would normally be not there at all like there's nothing nothing is just like poem it's more like deadline let's Ah, write something (laughs) because I have to um and if it wasn't for deadlines I would not be writing anything at this moment and that's it's, it's weird but like and I and because of the pandemic I'm not 
and and because other things there's other personal things happening hence all of this stuff but like I'm not on stage just like I used to be and I had like before I had like I got to be at 30 places this year I got to hit this number yada yada whatever and because I severed ties with the place that we were going to Mm. I also killed a lot of my performances which is why I don't see Leah anymore yeah um as much as I love her she knows why I like I will always support Leah. Leah says she's doing something independently. I'm with her. Yes. Tied to that, I'm not doing that. Um, because I just can't tie my name to that organization anymore. Um, but I, um, so, but like that also ultimately killed some of my performing habit. <laughs> yeah. So now yeah. I'm just like, wait, where do, where do I go? What, what, yeah. I, what do I, huh? So I, I'm, I'm with you. Cause I'm like, I want to get back on stage but I'm also not socializing anymore. Like it's everything has changed in the last few months. Yeah. And so I'm like, where do I go? What do I do? How do I get on? What? But yeah. I definitely, and like, this it's, it's so funny because during the pandemic, I've understood the difference between the big state, this big screen and the small screen. I come from a theater background. Mm. So I can appreciate a little bit of your nerding out over film because yeah. I nerd out over theater right. to an extent. Like you can't put me in a theater and me not look at the light lineup. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm looking for the booth where the 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 tech group is. Yeah. Like, and I may not know any of these terms or anything anymore, but I'm just like, okay, they got all the lights. Yeah, well, yeah. And like, I automatically I'm searching for those things because yeah. that's that's nerd dart back to like I'm, I'm like, oh, this is what we're doing. So yeah. uh, that's that's immediately my like default. It's like, where's the light board? Okay, somebody. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You know, like I don't have to do anything with any of that, but I just like automatically my brain kicks into that. So yeah. I um. <laughs> everything just stopped as well with that um but like I um oh shoot see lost the thought lost the thought mid thought this is guys as you age you think big screen small screen (laughs) yes so big thank you (laughs) as you age this is what happens I'm gonna tell y'all those people listening you start forgetting some thoughts real fast and there's also COVID brain because I am you know still healing from COVID guys Mm. so that all said doing the online performances definitely got me understanding small screen mm. and performance and my voice and what happens with a microphone versus yeah. away from a microphone. Like I definitely started understanding that a lot more mm. and it did actually enhance my performance on uh, in front of people, but it, ha- it hampered my performance in front of people because I was reading from my computer. I always read, I don't memorize. Sure. I started memorizing a little bit, but I, I read. So now I got paper in front of me again on the stage. I'm like, wait, how do I read this paper on the stage? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go back to learn how to read a paper on the stage. Yeah. I mean, see, <laughs> I'm always impressed that with people who read because like my thing is I feel like I'm too focused on what I'm reading and like keeping track to like to emphasize. And like, you know me, I have a very big expressive state. So I'm just like, and also holding the paper or the book or whatever. I'm just like, I'm now only using one hand. Like, how does this work? Like I need, I need both hands. Like even sometimes I film just holding my mic and I'm like, this is just so weird. It's just. (laughs) It definitely, I got a little spoiled because like I can read the stuff in front of me on the screen and and do this. So like, I got that little bit of taste of looking like I knew what I was talking about. And now I'm back on the stage with like, and, wait, where do I put it? And like yeah. the light and like, it's like, oh, this is different again. I don't hear yeah. these girls. But yeah. it is, there is something beautiful about being in front of people and having their energy coming at you and yeah. 
man, if you get back on the stage, if you're featured somewhere, not at that place, let me know. Cause I will be in your audience if I can. Yeah. I only know of, actually I may know of a couple, but I know of one, they do it like once a month. It's called Subdrift NYC. Okay. Um, I think it's like South Asian, like organized. So that's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely let you know. Um, I don't know when I will actually go out to perform yet. I gotta like look and decide. Um, well, just keep me in the know because I'm a fan. You know, I was a fan from the first moment I heard you. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> I I am. I've always been like you are. You were just. You That's were the not. other thing is like, I mean, look, I some of my videos get hundreds of thousands of views. Comments are really nice, but there's nothing like someone saying to your face. Uh, like how much they and it's not just like oh it's an ego boost it's just there's a genuine connection there when someone like wants to talk to you because like a comment someone's gonna leave a comment right but like what I love even more than performing I love performing I love when I walk off stage and someone comes up to me and starts sharing me their stories Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely love listening to them share like I don't mind if they ask me questions and stuff but I'd rather they tell me like oh, you know, like this poem remind me of like this thing with my dad or with, you know, mm-hmm. my own experience. And like, I love that. And I will yeah. do that for hours. Like after a show at like colleges, I'll have students that just come up to me and talk to me. And I'm at the school for another hour or two because like they have time. I have time unless I have another show sometimes. But most of the time it's like one show a day. So I have time to talk to whoever and like we'll like get lunch and we'll chat. And it's like a really human connection, which you don't get from like strangers unless unless that right because no other reason would a stranger walk up to you and be so intimate and personal with you on like in general sure Mm -hmm. there's some people some weirdos like me who will but in general people won't come up to you and like I remember this one student because like I think you've heard the poem about my father and Mm -hmm. his yeah so the student came up to me and he was just like, you know, my father got deported like twice. And then on the third time, he was finally able to bring the entire family. So like, I really resonated with like the the sacrifice and the hard work that your father made and like just the pride and love you have for him. And I was just like, yeah, no one's going to come up and tell me that. Like if I was just at a bookstore, right? Like I was just going to walk up to me and be like, oh, like my father, look. you know, it's only because <laughs> of the poetry and only because I choose to be so vulnerable on stage that people are like, oh, I can share with this guy. And like, it it won't be weird. Um, And I love that. (laughs) And it's like, you know, the whole thing about representation, right? Like, I don't know many other people, if any, who were like you on a stage doing what you do. And so it's so important to have you being you, representing and giving other people place and voice. And especially like here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so now... So part of the, because of the poetry school I'm in, you know, we have a partner who is, she was born in Dubai, but she's Indian. So, you know, she has, she's connected to both communities and she's in, she's back in Dubai now. So like she's in that community. And so she represents, but she also went to school in England. So she's like, so she, she's our Indian representation for our group and when we first started we had a huge Indian representation in our programs and that was great but like they're in India yeah (laughs) they're not here you know and we have like one Indian student here and I mean we love her but like you know they're not really in the states here they're really in India and that's 
and it, I mean, it's an international school, so it's great, yeah. but like, you don't get a lot of people mixing here like that. Yeah. And so it is amazing when you have Leah, you, Patrice, Justin, all in the same place. Like there's all these different cultures mm -hmm. sharing space, talking about how we exist. And just like, that is, that that's that's why I love New York, but that's what makes America amazing. That's the one, that's one of the good things about this place. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. tell me something beautiful about your community. Oh, well, that's a really wonderful question. Um, you know, and it's a funny thing because if you ask someone who isn't sick, um, and they if they're familiar with the faith that they have some interaction with the community, I get so many people praising the community, and it's really funny because I'm like, you've never met the six I've met. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a I have a bit of more you know skeptical, critical you know view of my community, but I love my community because. Um, you know, it's it's something I mentioned earlier, which is just like, uh, so seva is this tradition of ours, and seva loosely translates to selfless service. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways that that can be um, shown. And I, I feel like my community does a really great job in participating in seva in many ways, whether it is serving food to people, um, or it's, you know, fighting injustice for our own community, for other communities. Um, at the core of our faith and our practice is, you know, speaking out and working for the the betterment of everyone, which is, I had mentioned that earlier, Sarbatapala. And, you know, yeah, sometimes we struggle in some ways, but there's a very visible effort made and you can see it with some of the sick organizations that exist in the, in the US or in the world even. Um, some I've volunteered or partnered with even. Um, and then just individuals, you know, like, I've seen six who, you know, attended Black Lives Matter protests and they have a whole six for Black Lives, you know, poster signs. Like there are six all around. They're doing things on an individual level, a local level, and then on a more federal level, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I'd like to think I have some role in that as well. Um, I strive to speak for in support of my community as much as I can, um, much to the chagrin of some of the people in my community. <laughs> But, um, but it, it's, you know, I, I know based on the responses I get from non-six that I am having some of a positive impact on helping people better understand us. Um, and so I love that we are guided by this belief of selfless service and oneness um, and this idea that, you know, all people should be able to live a fulfilling life, which means providing them with basic amenities and, and just like the necessities to live um, mm. and then going beyond that as well and then striving for equal rights and for you know all of us to be seen as equal and as free can someone convert into this faith yeah absolutely there are many um actually some of my friends i know and it's really been eye-opening to talk to them because they're black and sick and they came from a Christian background mm -hmm. um, and then they converted and it's been eye-opening because they've shared how they've experienced racism within the community. And I'm like, within the sick community. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me. It just disheartens me. Cause I'm just like, again, here we are preaching all this equality and this love for everyone yet in our own spaces, in the spaces of worship too. 
and that one shocked me actually so like there's at the end of service they hand out um it's called prashad it's like i don't know how to explain it it's, but it's this sweet little like I honestly don't even know how to explain it, um, but it's just, it's food, right? They hand out food, everybody. And some of these friends have told me that they have been skipped over. Yeah. And it's like, what other reason would you have for skipping them over other than because they are black? And I'm just like, in, in like literally in front of our guru, in the guru kar is a guru's house. That's what it means. In the guru kar, in the guru's house, you, you do this, like, it's, not that it's okay outside of it either but like like really like that you so it's just like that's why I, I got stumped a little because I was like part of me doesn't like talking about how great or these great things about the community because there's so much we still have to address whether it is racism or it's misogyny or casteism which shouldn't exist in our community but it does and it's just like it's it's all these things um but I also am not afraid to talk about them and that's why I said, like, much to the chagrin of some people from my community, because when I do talk about them, they get upset at me for talking about these things, even though it's literally what our gurus did and encourage us to do. But then I get told I shouldn't be comparing myself to the gurus. And I'm like, but that's that's all we do is we're like, the gurus did this. We're supposed to live like them. So we're naturally comparing ourselves to them. Is this whole thing. I'm getting on a huge tangent. But <laughs> the, the point is that, like, it's it's a really interesting thing for me to talk about my faith but also then make sure i'm trying to hold ourselves accountable um so as to not make it seem like we are better than and that we don't have any issues because we have plenty of issues so would you then say that um forget i'm not trying to put words in your mouth so you can absolutely correct me okay but would you then say like that hypocrisy is something that frustrates you about the state of your community or are there other things that you would say that frustrate you? The, the hypocrisy is definitely a huge part of it. I mean, the other parts are the actual acts of like bigotry and prejudice um, that are easily just guided by ego and judgment. Um, but um, the hypocrisy adds to the frustration because it's like not only are you being prejudiced? But then you're also being hypocritical because then you'll like go out and preach how sick he is about equality, but you don't practice that equality. So it just makes it worse. You know, the act itself is terrible, right? Prejudice of any kind, I think is horrible. But then the fact that you're like, but like, we love everyone, but you don't, you don't is the point. And that's what frustrates me is like, mm. just, just be honest about yourself. Look, if you if you don't like people, you don't like people. And we can then address that, right? But if you're going to go out and tell people that, no, I do like people when you don't, it's like, it's just an extra layer of frustration where I'm just like, I, I can't get to the addressing you don't like people because you don't even want to see that hypocrisy of yourself, mm -hmm. you know, so it's really unlike it's, it's the same thing when I talk about misogyny within the community and sexism. And like, it's a conversation I have with a lot of sick women where they will, these people who perpetuate this misogyny will hold up like historical sick women as like, oh, these are like the right way to be a sick woman. But like today's sick women, like this is what they say is like today's sick women do this, 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 and don't do this. And I'm just like, yeah, it's easy for you to, and my friend said this, I don't want to take credit. My friend said this, like, yeah, it's easy for you to talk about this woman because she's not around anymore. She's, she's history. So it's very easy for you to talk about how great she is. Though I imagine if she was around today, you wouldn't be talking that same, you know, praise. You'd be saying, oh, she's the problem because that's just misogyny in a nutshell. 
Um, and so, yeah, it's a lot of that that I have to combat. And then on top of combating that, I get people telling me that I'm speaking ill about my community. And I'm just like, like so there were these attacks that had happened in Queens in Richmond Hill against six. And the police had put out a suspect and it was a black man. And on the posts of these the, these like videos or these things was, was so much hatred towards the black community. And so I made a video and I was just like, hey, how about in the pursuit of justice, we don't be anti-black. And then people started calling me all these names. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, all I said was don't be hateful towards one community while trying to also advocate for our own. It's not that complicated. This isn't a and or like it's a, you know, both. Don't do both things, you know, or sorry, do one and not the other, you know. But people are like, oh, you're a you're a woke clown and stuff. I'm just like what it's just so so it's not funny but like I have to laugh at it in order to not let it get to me sometimes like I just have to laugh at the ignorance um because if I let it frustrate me then like I won't be able to continue what I do I'll get too focused on that as opposed to doing what I do and what I do is I strive to spread understanding of all kinds yeah you know so it's funny because I have a lot of different feelings about the representation of Christianity mm. and the best compliment I've gotten about how I show up as a Christian was from someone who most many Christians wouldn't appreciate and it's just one of my friends was a gay man married to a man yeah. he was like you're like you're you're the definition of Christianity and how you should operate and it's because like one I love him like he's one of my dearest friends and that's just like whatever you do don't got nothing to do with me you know yeah. like it's like that and you know it's between you and your maker it's not ain't got nothing to do with me I will love you no matter what you do and if yeah. you need my help you need my support you need me to pray for you you need me to fight for you we got I got you I got your back yeah. and that's just what it is in the end of the day like it has nothing to do with anything else um and and that's just who like we've always I've always just loved this dude right like I've known him for I won't do that count because that makes me feel old um but <laughs> I've known him for a very long time and that's just it but like it was a huge compliment for me because he has been so ostracized by his family who was very Catholic or very Christian mm -hmm. whatever version of it and so he has has a very different feeling about the faith because of the way people have presented their beliefs on anything, same sex, anything. And I'm just like, wow, that's because they don't like, to me, it's like, you know, love God and love others. And I'm, and so even when I argue with other Christians and I don't argue with other Christians anymore because it's not worth my energy, Yeah. but my, when I used to do this, it would be like, but so even if the, even if we're, you're right and they're an abomination, isn't it like if God is, God creates everyone and therefore we are to love everyone then maybe they're just a test for us on how we love everyone. And so even if we don't agree, if we just are being tested on loving everyone, don't you want to just love everyone? Right. You know, like, is that yeah. not the minimum that you, like, is that not like, I don't know. And like, don't we just want to try that technique? And, and, and no one even wants to reach that far. I'm just like, I don't, I don't get how we can't just start there. Right. <laughs> that's literally the same conversation I've had with people because um, there's 
there's also a lot of homophobia within the Sikh community. And that's a whole, I don't want to get into that too much right now. Um, but like, I've had the same conversation where I was like, okay, regardless of what you think about their identity, the gurus say, ik onkar, oneness, no hate, no fear. How is, how is what you're saying about them practicing that? That's just like, I just want to get through that question. But like you said, they don't want to have that. They're just like, nope, nope, not, not, it's not allowed, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you're not, so yeah. there's, there's no, there's nothing here. Okay, great. Like, it's like you said, I just don't waste my time arguing with them anymore. Yeah. Let me know when we make, if we both make it you know, to the next place, whatever, whatever yeah. that place is, I, I guess I'll see you there. You know, yeah. like I could be wrong. You could be wrong. I don't, I don't know who's wrong or right, but you know That's what? The thing. I tell people, I, I always say this to myself. I say this when I talk to people, I could be a hundred percent wrong. I'm well aware. And not just with faith, like with anything. Like, if you told me, like, if you asked me directions, I could be like, oh, you go this way. I could be so sure and be like, but I could be wrong. Like, I just accept that I could quite possibly be wrong on every single thing I am saying and doing. And that has made my understanding of the world around me a lot easier. Because I'm just like, if I don't walk into places thinking I know everything, even if I do, even if this is like my expertise, I don't walk into places thinking I know everything because there very well could be something I don't know or someone who knows more than me or something that comes out on the walk to the building that I just never saw that news article, which was like, hey, that thing? Yeah, no, we realize it's not. You know, like, I just don't know. Pluto's not a planet anymore, or maybe yeah. it is again. Who knows? You know, like, we grew up knowing it was one, but... I don't know if it is or isn't anymore. They keep changing their minds. <laughs> and instead of just being like, well, this is what I learned. This is what I grew up knowing. Like, just be like, okay, but maybe maybe what you grew up learning isn't right. <laughs> I learned yeah. plenty growing up that was not right, especially like in terms of being a man. And I was just like, I had to work through all of that. And like, kind of what you were saying about like, that was a compliment to you. Like I've, I've um you know, over the pandemic, I've tried to like date and stuff through dating apps. And I've had women tell me like, this has been like, it didn't work out, but they've been like, but this has been a really positive interaction I've had with a guy, which doesn't happen. I take that as a huge compliment because mm -hmm. like <laughs> I've heard horror stories from women. So I was like, the fact that like you felt that this conversation or this time we spent together was not like horrible. That's a compliment to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and, and I, I will say thank you for, I mean, I don't see every video you've done, but there was definitely a video you did early, early one of the earlier videos that were on this top, like, I can't even remember it, but I remember going like, I'm so glad he's doing this topic. And it was about, you know, it was about sexism or women or something. I was just like, yes, thank yeah. you. So whatever it was, I'd have to go back and dig through the archives of all your videos, but I was like, thank you for doing that. So I'm going to say that now. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and that's, that's the weird thing about being online is like, if you make a video or multiple videos talking about that topic, then people start to question if you're doing it, like if you're performative about it. And so now I'm like, do I have to have like a ratio of videos that like tell like the truth is I just speak on what I feel at the time that whatever I feel is I want to speak about on like, you know, I've, I've gotten similar thoughts because I've talked about Black Lives Matter and I've talked about injustice against the community. And then people are just like, but like, is he genuine? And I was like, 
there's no way for you to know, I guess. I mean, like, I can tell you I'm genuine, but you don't have to believe me. And I totally respect that. Like, women have told me that, like, I don't know. And it's just like, okay, that's fair. Like, you don't have to believe that I'm being genuine and authentic about it. I understand the skepticism. I don't take any offense to it. Because, like, I can be skeptical of people all the time, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And then also, like, people also can have the talking points and still oh, not yeah. have the actions. Oh, 100%. And, and, and they genuinely do have the talking points. They just don't even connect that their actions are not matching yeah. the thought process. So, and I mean, I don't, there's some, there's some people in this world I don't want to be. And I said it in my last episode, and I don't know if it'll be, I think it should air before this one. So it would be the last episode that people are listening to. But I was like, I don't, I don't want to be white because of the things that they have to unlearn. And I definitely don't want to be a dude because of the things <laughs> that they have to unlearn. It's too much work. So yeah. like, mm, no, I, I don't envy any of that work that is involved. So that's a great, you know, that's a really interesting perspective. See, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I would have never thought of that because like, you'd think people would want it because like easiness, right? You know, supposed mm -hmm. easiness, but then like in, in the world we live in, which I think is much better than the worlds of past, you know, there is, yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot of conditioning to unlearn that we just take for granted, you know, and like, whether, whether it's as a man, whether it's men with other men or men with women, like there are a lot of things that I'm just like, shoot, I, I don't know how to navigate this. And like, understanding my masculinity was just like this journey itself, because like, I just, I look at the people differently. And I look at my manhood differently and you know like I was never well I never got into sports because I was born with a heart condition mm -hmm. um so I couldn't do sports I couldn't play contact sports and it was all I was I loved playing football as a kid I wanted to be on the wrestling team couldn't do any of that um and so I got in, into music and I started playing drums and I was in band and like it, it all kind of led to poetry so I've, I've never fit the mold of like a man in that way yeah whatever that stereotype I'm not, is and I'm not like I don't I don't have I'm secure with myself I'm not like physically whatever like I don't have that physical appearance that like men are supposed like whatever the ideal I guess um like I'm well aware of this stuff and you know so I never fit that mold in any regards and then it's so interesting because like I'll always hear people say like oh we want you know they, there's a desire supposed desire for men to be more like warm and, and stuff like that and like romantic and things and then like I perform my romance poems on stage and they just do terribly like people don't like my romance poems and I'm just like and I don't do it for that reason obviously but I was just like but like isn't that y'all say you want that but like I'm doing it like you know it's just interesting to like observe where just like because I, I love my romance poems I think they're brilliant I think I'm a great romantic poet, but you know, it doesn't resonate for one reason or another. I have my guesses of why, but, <laughs> um, but I understand also that like, it's, it's a package, right? And maybe one element of the package doesn't work for people. So that's why it's like, you could have someone who you're not attracted to saying all the nice words, but you're not attracted to them. And that's fair, you know? So it's just, in, it's, I observe a lot and my brain then just like explores all the ideas like and then sometimes I have to be like okay that's a stupid thought just like throw that away <laughs> you know um because I, I still catch myself with those like those typical like gender mentalities of like oh but like I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to be you know so it's 
I don't know how I got into this, but I love talking about my masculinity, actually. It's a lot of fun. Um, but like, these aren't things people ask me about because this is usually what encompasses the conversation. <laughs> well, it is still amazing. So can you tell me a unique fact about yourself? Ooh, a unique fact about myself. Hmm. Let's see. I... What is a unique fact about myself? There's such simple things. There's like, I know how to beatbox. Like it's just, you know how to beatbox? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was part of an acapella group in college. Are you? Oh, goodness. Okay. I didn't, uh, wow. Yeah, because I used to play the drums. I was in a band in high school. Um, so I, because I didn't have a drum set with me 24-7, I just kind of like taught myself to beatbox to practice. You know, that way I could at least keep the rhythm and the flow of like what I wanted to play. So, um, and then one of my friends also knew how to beatbox. So like, we'd be in the halls of like our uh, our band, um, like wherever we, cause we were also in like, uh, what, what is the term? Marching band and stuff like that. And so like, we'd be in the, the band halls and we'd just be beatboxing together. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, the, there's that. I was in a band, we were called Narwhal cause we're 16 year old losers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I started writing poetry because of uh, a breakup, which isn't super unique. I know a lot of people deal with that, but like, um, that's my origin story. That's my poetry origin story was like this girl who I was in love with, who I thought I was going to be with for the rest of my life. Like legitimately, it wasn't like a, I legitimately believe like we were going to have a whole life. We thought about it too. Like we were like, we're going to have a house, going to have kids. Like we went through all of that mentally, like not like, but mm -hmm. I just I was sold on the idea of being with this person for the rest of my life um and then yeah she broke up with me for a, a variety of reasons um that also completely made me stop believing in destiny that's a unique fact about me <laughs> okay I used to believe in destiny I believed her and I were destined to be together and then when she broke up I was like I guess that's all a lie or that's all just <laughs> nonsense you know um so I don't believe in destiny or like predetermined you know, I believe we make our own. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, I could keep going. I'm sure there's other interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you want me to. <laughs> no, I think we're good. Um, so I'm going to skip my other question typically because you gave us a lot of facts about your community already. So okay. I'm going to let that one go because you you gave us a lot of histor historical facts. So um, so anyone who listens, who knows that question always comes up. I think we're good this time because we got a lot of facts, factual mm. stuff. Um, so since you are a poet, are you going to bless us with a poem? Sure. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, I decide what I want to perform. Okay, so one I've been performing in my house since yesterday. It's just like one I love. Um, I feel like it really encapsulates my relationship with poetry. And it's titled Counseling. So here we go. I write to heal my wounds because help ain't coming soon. Dependency will bring doom, but I don't sit in gloom and despair. Instead, I grin and bear it. I write and share it. All my dirty laundry, I choose to air it. I'm precise like a snare hit when I tear it up on the mic. Bright lights like the sun bathing in the glow. Behind these eyes is pain you'll never know. So the stage becomes my therapist, sharing the product of my pen and my wrist, creating Rorschach ink blots in the forms of syllables, rhymes, and verbs, introducing you to 
stories you've never heard about. So as I scream and shout, I'm fighting the anger. I'm feeding the rage. I'm sowing wounds inside and breaking the cage, becoming a sage because I'm turning the page to the next chapter of my life. Each time I'm on the mic, I'm fighting suicide. I'm engaging the strife. Each rhyme that I spit is a step towards the light. Verbal assault on my demons as I paint pictures with hand gestures, releasing all the pain that festers, helping me feel better inside from all the times I've been ostracized and blatantly tossed aside. I've repeatedly died inside. So two worlds collide as I speak in metaphors, engage in rabbit wars. I'm on my 10th tour hearing voices I can't ignore like I got PTSD, except the P is for the present. And I'm still in this losing battle up the creek without a paddle. My past sins have got me rattled. So I grabbed the mic like my life depended on it because it actually does. Poetry has saved me from the man I once was, continuing to heal me. It's making me whole. So what you're watching now is the resurrection of my soul. My path has taken its toll, filling me with hopelessness and sorrow. I'm up against the odds, fighting like there is no tomorrow because there may not be. Oof. Each time I'm on the mic, I'm fighting suicide. Yeah. Each time I'm on the mic, I'm fighting suicide. I'm gonna run that back one more time. Each time I'm on the mic, I'm fighting suicide. Yo, like I like, I had to grab my pen. I missed like the next five lines <laughs> after that. Cause I was like, I have to hold on to that line. And I have to write that down. I slowly saw you react, but I was like trying to focus, which I'm sure you know, it's weird to like, <laughs> do you perform to the camera or to the screen? Like, I don't know, <laughs> you know? So it was like, I saw you react. And this is like, I don't know if you have this. I was telling my friend this, I can perform but also like watch myself perform and hear myself perform and watch people's reactions and still be fine. Like it's this weird third person mm -hmm. that I become when I perform and maybe other people can do it. It's like, it's amazing though. Cause like, I'll be like, oh, I should have said that word differently or I should have paused here while I'm performing. Yes. Like, I'm still going, but two lines ago, I was like, oh, I should have said this thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it happens best when you're memorized, but it yeah. is a, it is a, it, it's a weird disconnect that happens, but it only happens when you are, even if you're not memorized, when you're well, better connected to your poem, yeah. because then you're able to sort of gauge a lot more things happening simultaneously. It is yeah. a, it is a, it is a kind of creepy thing that can happen, but it absolutely yeah. is a, it is a thing. Cause then you're like, okay, no, now you have to get higher at this point, lower this. <laughs> You're doing a self-coaching, yep. simultaneous watching. Oh, and then, they, oh, they like that get, line. Okay, let's ready. take that again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. that person over there really like that one. Okay. Exactly. I was like, oh, I see that. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's not just the, the overall crowd. You know, it's the individual people. You're like, oh, that person's, that person's eyes just widened. Like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, and that happens a lot because I... I value being really raw on the mic, um, as you've noticed, like I don't shy away from saying what I feel. And so um, you get those reactions from people because it's just like, oh, I wasn't expecting him to go that like deep or that personal or that real. But like, that's that's where I live. I live in the raw. <laughs> yeah, that that line though. Yeah. I mean, that that line, I think there's so many of us who can, those of us who write, yeah, I think so many of us can relate to that line. We may not have written that line, or some version like we have may not have written some version of that line for ourselves. Yeah. But that is so true. 
Like, mm-hmm. that's why I was like, I have to grab that line. Like, I don't know. I, I, like, I had to stop listening to everything else for a second. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I know he's saying some other stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. I wish he would slow down so I could catch it. But that doesn't matter. I got to hold on to this line for this moment. Because this line right here, though. Like, do you know what he just said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, that, yeah. That's a, I love when, and I guess it's why talking to another poet, writer is awesome. Because, like, I feel like a lot of times, maybe you feel this too, people are like, oh, yeah, that was a great poem. And I'm like, no, but like, what did you think about like this line, that line? What did you think about like the concept, right? Because like I titled the poem Counseling, right? And so it's all about like it being therapy for me and like, you know, literally keeping me sane. So it's just like, oh, but like people don't just like comment on that. And I understand that I'm not like ever like trying to get someone to say anything, but when someone does, when someone's like, oh, like this line, or I really liked how you, you know, correlate this with this I'm just like oh they got it like that's that's like fulfilling to me because I was like that's the whole point of why I put it out there I mean the whole the whole thing of like just generally speaking the the you know like I mean I heard you do the drum thing and I would not have I I would not have appreciated it as much without knowing that you used to play drums right like that would have never like connected before I would have heard it (laughs) But I was like, oh, okay, all right. I see what you did there. You used your drum history into that line. All right, I got you. So like, I heard it. Um, but I probably would not, if I didn't, if you didn't say drums in this episode, I would have never maybe, I would have heard it, but it wouldn't have resonated the same way. So yeah. I heard that. But the whole idea of like, I think anyone who's a writer, especially we poets, like, I think I'm going to correct that statement. Anyone who writes, because I had this whole conversation yesterday like, so my boyfriend is a um, poet too. Okay, nice. And so he and I were having this conversation about slam because he's older and he was really big in slam when, like when I was just starting poetry, I started poetry. When I was first starting to perform, it was the early 2000s. He was already on the slam circuit. Oh, okay. So um, he was doing the thing he's done. And we've had like this whole conversation about like slam and all that other stuff. So we were, we were talking in depth last night about like our feelings on slam and we have different reasons for feeling very similarly about slam. And so, um, we were talking about it and just the, um, so like, and and some people just get into this for hype cred and stuff, but not about like soul. Right. And so people who are writing for soul, we're writing to live yeah. like it's not about the credit it's Ooh. not about the rest of that we're writing to pause to... there that's you have to pause there that that's a that's a bar that's a... damn yeah 100 percent. like we are we're writing to live like mm-hmm. like i i performed and i don't think you ever i don't think you heard that poem because i performed but i don't think i've read it around you i don't think i don't know i don't know what i've read around you yes. um but I read this poem about um, about uh, Fernando Castile, mm. and I can't even think of the name of it right now. But it's one of the poems I read more frequently than not, and it's about Father's Day. But it's really about the day that I almost killed myself, mm. and it's about me choosing not to take the bottle of pills. Right. But it's a, it was all like, and it all comes from a moment where I really was like looking at a full bottle of sleeping pills. And I was debating, enjoy the bottle or not. And it started because I was watching an episode of Trevor Noah and Trevor Noah made a joke. 
about Father's Day sucking and it was right up behind Polando Castile dying. And I was like, why am I here? Nobody wants us. Nobody wants Black folk here. This mm. whole world sucks. There's all this other pressure that was happening and personally, but it made the whole personal experience that I was having around being Black just tied all together. And I was like, why? Right. And and when he made that joke, it wasn't a joke, but it was just like, yeah, no, why, why? Why be here in a place that doesn't want me here? Right. And that was the message. And I kept staring at the bottom and all that other stuff. And then a friend interrupted me when I was just in contemplation. And she didn't interrupt me, but I just picked up my phone instead. And mm -hmm. she, having also known that place, noticed I was off and kept talking mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And then the energy passed and I started writing this poem. So that poem was actually written in the moment of wow. me like, I almost did this. Yeah. And so like, when I say we are writing to live, you know, yeah. we are writing to like, like poetry is literally saving our lives. Yeah. Um, so that, that, I think that's why that line like is true because you people don't, people be thinking that like, we just writing for clout because some people are just writing for clout. Yeah. But those of us who are really writing, we're writing to work out some demons. We're writing to find ourselves. We're writing to figure out who we are. We're writing to figure out how, how to deal with this world yeah. we're writing to heal we're writing to grieve we're writing to scream we're writing to exist in madness you know and we're, we're writing to live you know and so I think and, and for counseling you know so like yeah. that's why that poem just like yes yeah yes and see this everyone this is why no it's who I like this is why he was on this show today. Like, do you understand? Do you understand why I was like, of course, this is who I'm inviting to this show because, because this is who love is. Come on, come on. So yeah, Thank sorry. You. I just- <laughs> No, you're fine. I appreciate it. I'm just, I have a hard time with compliments. <laughs> but they're all, and I, I, I get that the, there's ego. So we have to watch that, but- you know, I'm, I don't have to watch your ego for you. I'm just telling you, <laughs> yeah. that I appreciate you. If I don't ever get a chance to say it again, if I haven't said it enough in the past, please know that I am, I've been a fan from the moment I saw you on stage the first time. And I have been so honored just to learn more about you and your community. Um, and just, and if people are questioning whether or not this man is genuine, from the years that I've known him, I have not seen anything inconsistent, but whatever that means. So believe it or not, people may or may not think I'm consistent, whatever, but yeah. I have seen nothing inconsistent about this man in the whole time I've known him, or I've got to witness from the, from just the side window and just like, no, nope, everything's still the same. So that, that means a lot because it's what I strive to do. And the fact that it can be recognized by people, uh, my birthday just passed actually. And so like I had friends over and my friend was like, oh, everybody should go around and say one thing they like about no. And I was like, no, no, let's not do this. <laughs> <laughs> but like, as much as it was like, you know, weird, but it was really nice because like, it, it told, it showed me that everything I, everything I try to be as a person is recognized. Like, that's always my worry is like, are people noticing it? I don't need it to be validated, but it's just like, I don't, you know, I just want to know that, like, when I choose to be someone, people understand that is who I am. Like, I try to be my authentic self at every, every turn. 
Um, and sometimes that leads me to being getting in trouble because I'm a little too honest with things or I, you know, I try to communicate things and people, you know, take it, whatever. But I still value the fact that I know that when I interact with someone, I'm being my authentic self. And hopefully that encourages them to be their authentic self because in South Asian society, we are not encouraged to be that way. And it's probably the same in other communities, but like it's the community I grew up in. And like everybody, not everybody, but so many people are focused on status and image and judgment and what people are going to think. There's literally a phrase, right, that a lot of first, second generation, you know, like my generation of South Asians will refer to, and it's which means what will people think or what will people say, right? Because our parents, our communities say that so much to us, like, oh, I want to be, be an artist. I want to be a poet. What are people going to think? What do people say? Because they see they care. I don't care. I don't care what a random auntie or uncle thinks. I just want to live my life. And so that's why I, that's one of the reasons I strive to be my authentic self is that hopefully my own community, the people around me go, oh, he can be himself. He's a poet. He's a videographer. He's a content creator. Why can't I do what I want to do? Whatever that is. It could be law. It could be dance. It could be magic. Like, I don't care. Whatever it is you want to do. If you have a passion for it, do it. And like, don't let what people think dictate that. And I've always strived to put that out there as an artist, but also as someone who you interact with on a personal level. I love it. I love it. So my last two questions, first one being, how can we who are not part of the community learn support your community? Mm, this is a really great question. Um, I think, you know, the first step comes with understanding us, right? Because like you can, you know, advocate in different ways of like signing petitions or rallying or these kind of things, but like I don't want people to do anything half-heartedly. So like the, the first step I would say is just understanding and learning more, educating yourselves about the Sikh faith. Um, there are several prominent organizations like, um, uh, now I'm blanking, Sikh Coalition, um, another one called SALDEF, which is the Sikh American Legal Defense and Education Fund. Um, these, they, they work to, you know, help raise awareness, but also they fight for civil rights of Sikhs and, and you know, people. Um, so you could support them in that way, but I really think it starts with just educating yourself because society isn't going to do it for you. Um, and so I, I briefly alluded to this story, but someone messaged me, and they they told me they worked in they work in a hospital, right? And because of the pandemic, the hospital was mandating that people shave their beards because of the masks and everything. And they had said that they had a sick coworker, and they had heard other coworkers kind of like speaking a little you know negatively or rudely about this sick coworker because they weren't going to shave because it's against our faith to remove our hair um and so this person explained the significance of case i mentioned it's one of those articles of uncut hair to the hospital to the coworkers and helped that coworker that sick coworker get an exemption um and that is advocating but they wouldn't have been able to do that if they didn't know Right. Ooh. So that's why I always say it's important to know and understand. And like maybe in that instance with the student, if someone else knew, they could have maybe been able to somehow assist with the situation. Um, so many of these things kind of happen. Um, I remember when I was in Louisiana for that one show, we went out to like some, I guess it was a bar or something. And like you have to, you know, or maybe it wasn't, it was just whatever restaurant. But for whatever reason, they're like, oh, no hats allowed. 
I was like, this isn't a hat. And we kind of had to like fight with them a little. They're like, hey, this is a religious article. I'm not going to remove it. And like, we eventually got in, but it's like these little encounters, these daily encounters. That's the thing. Cause like, yes, hate crimes happen, but like, I don't expect anybody to be Superman and like somehow stop a hate crime, you know, unless they're in the vicinity. And even then I'm not going to say like, hey, you got to go get involved. Cause like you have to take care of yourself. Right. But it's these daily encounters of not being able to, you know, go to certain places with our articles of faith or someone, you know, harassing us because of our faith or whatever these instances may be, um, your workplace in situations. And so the way to combat those things is education. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and also, you know, well, it'll be part of the next question, but follow Nav and and learn more learn more you know do the work to learn more period mm -hmm. because there's so many resources there's always a lot of resources go find the resources um do the work so how do we support you nav nav sorry first time i messed that up it's okay i didn't want to say anything i was like i think she'll correct it so it's fine. I, I, sorry I was, I was good. So I was yeah. so good today. Oh yeah. I don't get upset when people miss, mess up, you know, um, I just, I'll just let them know, but you corrected yourself. So I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, cause you know, I'm big on names. I'm big yeah. on names. Cause people like to think my name is Dara and I like to cut them when they want to say that wrong. So no, um, how do we support or follow and or follow you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. I don't really use Twitter though, because that's a cesspool. <laughs> um, Nub the poet. You can check out my content. I talk about my faith a lot, but I also talk about. I share my poetry. I talk about movies and film, and I talk about representation in media because I studied film and television in college, and that's where my passion for representation kind of grew. Is understanding that um, is actually one of my favorite stories. So I showed a poem to one of my my film professor. Um, I showed him the video because I was just like, oh, maybe you could tell me like how to, you know, do better with the video. And he's like, you know, the video's fine. And then he says, but your face needs to be on screen. And in the 19 years of my life at that point, I never heard anyone encourage this face be on screen. A turban and beard, especially after 9-11, no one wanted this face on screen. But he was like, no, your face needs to be on screen. And I was just like, huh you know what, you're right. Like all it took was that one person saying like, no, your face needs to be on screen. And I was like, so now anytime someone says the opposite, I'm like, no, screw that. My face needs to be on screen. My film professor said so. <laughs> like, uh, um, but so yeah, uh, I talk a lot about representation in media and trying to get, you know, not only sick representation, but all our representation to be more accurate, more respected and treated with the, you know, the level of dignity it deserves um and so that's a big thing so yeah social media i have a youtube channel i mostly have started with um actually yeah this is another way you can learn about the sick faith i started a podcast called rooted in sick and so i have conversations with six about the role the faith plays in their lives professional mm -hmm. personal like how does it impact what kind of influences it have on their lives because it's as i was saying earlier in this episode like it's one thing to say what our beliefs are, but how are the people in the community practicing it? So I've interviewed people. One of my friends, he uh, he joined the military and he had to fight to get an accommodation to serve with his Articles of Faith. So we talk about that whole legal battle. One of my friends, she's an artist. Uh, she's a painter and a calligrapher. So we talk about how she implements 
you know, art and Sikhi together and everything like that. And so there's different people from different, you know, different Sikhs from different walks of life. And we get to explore what it means to be a Sikh in their, you know, field in their life. And uh, I think it's a really beautiful thing to one, not only make me the sole representative of the faith, because I never want to be that. That's way too much of a burden on my shoulders. Um, but it just, yeah, it's a more practical uh, understanding or more tangible than me just saying like, well, six believe in this. That's awesome. So unfortunately, that's the episode. But thank you, Nub, the poet, for being here, for being awesome, for being you, for speaking on behalf of your community for <laughs> being just the terrific individual that I've known you to be for, oh goodness, the past lots of years that I've known you. It's gotta be, I mean, the pandemic's been three years, but it's been, it's a lot of, it's a couple of years that we've yeah. known each other now. Yeah, it's been a um, while. And, you know, I'm just, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation so much, so much. I've learned a lot. But I've also not just learned a lot about the community and not just about you, but just also really thinking about the commonalities um, mm -hmm. between our communities. So I just thank you for the time that you've dedicated to having this conversation. Thank you, everyone who has listened to on behalf of today or any other episode. Please hit that subscribe button either on the podcast. And also, if you're feeling extra generous, there is a way to subscribe to the podcast financially. So please do that as well on Anchor. Otherwise, I will see you next time.